Good morning, and welcome to chapel, everyone. Um, I hope your midterm week is going great, and I hope all of you are doing well. So today's theme is we're continuing with the theme serving God, serving all, and yeah, we will be hearing from Shannon Martin in a little while. So. Yeah, thank you for coming, and we're going to start the chapel with the first song, It Is Well. So I would invite all of y'all to stand up and join along. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yes. Glory to God. Today we'll be singing two songs, and I hope that you can all worship with us this morning as we uh, welcome this fall, which is full of beautiful weather, beautiful sunshine, and pumpkin spice. Here we go. <laughs>
Good morning. Can we try that again? Good morning. I invite you to stay standing, and we'll be singing Over My Head, which is in Sing the Journey, uh, the green book in front of you, number 18. Uh, the words will be on the screen, um, and I will say the second section where it says solo, we will be singing that all together. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even, when, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, 
this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me and his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn over the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Good morning again, and we are so happy to have Shannon Martin with us. So to give you a bit of a brief background, <clears throat> Shannon Martin is the author of The Ministry of Ordinary Places, Waking Up to God's Goodness Around You, and also Falling Free, Rescued from the Life I Always Wanted. She is a speaker and writer who found her voice in the country and her story in the city. Shannon, her jail chaplain husband, Corey, and their kids live as grateful neighbors in Goshen, Indiana. Let us give a warm welcome to Shannon Martin. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to be here today. This is my first time in a Goshen College Chapel service. And it's, it's been beautiful, so thank you for your warm welcome. Thank you for your beautiful singing. Um, I'm going to just jump in, and we're going to spend a little bit of time together today, not long at all. I want to share with you something that has been on my heart and that has sort of defined my life in some ways over the past few years. So eight years ago, my life changed pretty dramatically when my family moved to the far north side of Goshen, Indiana. Um, since you're all here in Goshen with me, this makes us neighbors now. And prior to this, we did not live, we didn't, we didn't move far when we came to Goshen. We moved maybe just, I don't know, 10 or 12 miles away. But prior to moving into the neighborhood, we lived just a very different life. And I'm gonna just encapsulate this very quickly in just a couple of sentences, but basically, my family, um, at the time it was my husband and I and our three young kids, all of my kiddos came into my family through adoption, by the way. Um, we were living in what we believed was our dream farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere, down a long lane, in a community that, where everybody, for the most part, looked and lived and believed exactly as we did. And this was the life that we loved this was the life that um, we chose. We were living a life in many ways that 
we had been taught to want. And all of that worked out just fine until it didn't. And there are a lot of details that come with that until it didn't, and I don't have time to go into any of that today. But one, one sort of one step in this direction led to another step in this direction, and over time we did land here in town into a neighborhood that was, that was different than anything I had grown up in before. I had, never, I had never lived in a neighborhood before, for one thing, so that was different, having people close to me. And moving into that neighborhood changed almost everything about my life. The thing that I discovered was that once you, once you go through change of any kind, you know, we had a lot of transition in our life during that time. Um, you know, everything was new. I was moving to a community where I didn't know anybody. I didn't really know a single person in town in Goshen. Um, not long after we moved into the neighborhood, we ended up adopting our oldest son, Robert. He was 19 years old at the time. That came as a big surprise to my family. Another big change in our life. And not long after that, my husband, Corey, transferred out of his work in politics and into work as the chaplain of the Elkhart County Jail. And so this was just change after change after change. And we were, we were enjoying the change. It was beautiful change. It was showing us an image of God and an image of our faith that we had not known before. It was exciting. At times, it was a little nerve-wracking, maybe even a little scary, because a lot of it was unfamiliar to us. All of you here have, have gone through change. You've been through transitions. Um, you found yourself in new places where maybe you felt a little bit in exile, a little bit like you're not quite sure where you fit in. Even coming to college in some ways, I, I, I can remember, it was a long time ago for me, but I can remember that feeling. The thing that we all find is that sooner or later, everything that was once exciting, maybe a little terrifying and new, becomes our new ordinary. If you stick it out long enough, if you give it time, those things that seemed so big and so different suddenly seem comfortable and familiar. And that's where I found myself not long after moving into the neighborhood, a couple years later maybe. After all of the time that I had been asking the question, okay, where are we going next? Where are we heading? And then we land in the neighborhood and then the question became, okay, why am I here? Then the question became, now what? A very basic question. Here we are, what does this mean? I don't know about all of you, but I'm the type of person who is forever searching for meaning. I want to make the connections. I want to piece things together. There are people like my husband who are very content to live in the unknown a little bit. He doesn't have to search for this deeper meaning. I don't know if it's because I'm a writer. I don't know if it's because of the Enneagram. We blame a lot on the Enneagram these days. I'm an Enneagram 8. Are there any other eights in the house? Okay, <laughs> good. I feel even more comfortable now. For what it, whatever it is that we want to blame it on, I always want to know the deeper thing. I want to know the deeper meaning. The question that I was asking was, now what? Why am I here? And not why am I here in this sort of existential way necessarily, but why am I here? Why am I on North 5th Street in Goshen, Indiana? What does it mean? 
What is the reason? This is the eternal question. If you haven't asked that question yet, and I'm guessing everybody here has kind of asked that question in one, in one way or another, you will. We all do. And we'll ask it again, and we'll ask it again, and we'll ask it again. We'll kind of think we figured it out, and then something will throw us off, and we'll ask it again. The answer is I began to really ask that question. And I'm pausing because there's a risk of, of this just sounding oversimplistic, and I know that. And so I want you to just hang with me here. The answer to this, now what, and why am I here, question, was and continues to be, pay attention. There's no, for me at least, it turns out there's no big, this is the answer. You know, where I kind of, I kind of hoped maybe that God would sort of unroll this blueprint. I'm always waiting for that day. It hasn't happened yet. Showing me, you know, how all of the things connect and what it all means. That hasn't happened. The answer that I get day after day after day is live as a neighbor and pay attention. And I'm coming to see that those two things really can't be separated. So when my family moved into the neighborhood, I had to wrestle with the fact that I really did not have a clue what it meant to live as a neighbor. I personally grew up in church from the time I was born, very familiar with the Bible, um, or so I thought, very familiar with church culture and on and on and on. And yet, when I was in my mid-30s, I started to really understand for the first time just how important it is to the heart of God that we orient our lives around being a neighbor, living as a neighbor, asking and answering the question, who is our neighbor? And then orienting our lives, bending our lives around that question. It's central. It's central to our faith. We cannot love what we don't know. And we cannot know what we don't see. I started during this season, during this time of understanding, okay, so it matters to be a neighbor, whatever that means. You know, I had lived my life up to that point surrounded by soybean fields and cornfields, and that made neighboring easier in a lot of ways. When I started to understand, you know, this really matters, this seems to really matter to the heart of God. He's talking about it throughout scripture over and over and over again in all different kinds of ways. The best I could come up with was, I don't hate my neighbor. Maybe that counts. Does that count as loving my neighbor if I don't hate my neighbor? Wrestling with the fact that there was actually a lot more. There was a lot more to loving our neighbor. And, and, and for me, that didn't mean there was more for my neighbor to be loved by me. It meant there was more for me in learning to love my neighbor. During this time, I, I set out on a journey. And I mean that quite literally, and I also mean that a bit tongue-in-cheek. I started during that second year in the neighborhood in this quest to, to start paying attention. I started seeking out what exactly did Jesus's ministry on earth look like? Because I had grown up all along understanding, you know, the verse John 3, 16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only son. And I had only understood that verse through, through my faith tradition to mean God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die. I was starting to understand that it was, it was also very important to 
acknowledge that God loved us so much that he sent his son to a body to live, that that mattered, and that this short, this short number of years mattered, that there were things that I had to learn from how Jesus lived his life on earth. And here's what I noticed. I started just going through and, and kind of taking a, in my house I have little kids, so I usually if I underline something in my Bible, it's with a crayon, <laughs> because that's what's close by. And it works really well because it doesn't bleed through. So there's, there's that tip for you. I started taking my crayon and underlining words like, in reference to Jesus, he heard, he saw, he noticed. I started to notice verses where Jesus would say things like, taste and see, stay awake. Verses where he, his ministry, his daily activity the details of his ordinary life were being directed by his five senses. He's walking through a crowd on a way to get somewhere else, and he feels a woman grab his sleeve. What if there was something to this? And so on this, on this journey to really seeing the place where I had been planted, I began walking my kids to school every day. This is super embarrassing for me to admit. And I don't know why, every time I tell this story, I think I'm gonna leave this embarrassing part out and then every time I just say it because there's something humbling about bearing our embarrassing details to crowds of strangers, I don't know. We had lived in the neighborhood for over a year, two blocks from Chamberlain Elementary School where my three little kids were students and I was driving my kids to school. That's super embarrassing. And all I can say to that is I was only used to hopping in my van and driving. I had never lived in a walkable community. It was not in my brain. It was not the way I was used to living my life. But I started to realize that these neighbors that I'm now among, who I'm really pretty desperate to get to know, I'm wanting my life to intersect with theirs. I think it matters. I'm not quite sure why, but I think it matters. I was literally driving by them every day. Many, many of my neighbors don't drive for a, for a number of reasons, and I was just driving past them. And so, God got my attention. We started walking to school because it was practical and it made sense, but it also gave me an opportunity to really start memorizing my place, to committing it to muscle memory. And so I would walk those two blocks in the morning, and I would drop my kids off, and I would turn around and walk back home. And it sounds like I'm overstating it when I say that those daily walks to school changed my life again. I started to understand how much it mattered for me to see my place, my physical place, as beautiful. And I'm going to just scan to this next photo here. Or maybe I'll scan again. There. Okay. And I'm just going to leave this up here for something pretty to look at. On those morning walks to school, I knew that there was beauty waiting. I knew that beauty is God's goodness in the world. And this was during a time that I was starting to really question, not because of my neighborhood, but because of our world. Everything happening up here. I was starting to really question, where is goodness? Where is it? Does it exist? Is God still good right now in this world that is really messed up? 
and is really harming and hurting people. Where is the goodness? And so I started to challenge myself every day on those walks, those short little walks, no matter the season, I needed to find something beautiful. And when I found it, I was going to take out my phone because this is what we do, and I was going to take a picture of it. And because I live as an author and as a person who, who exists in online spaces, I took it to the next level and I posted it on Instagram every day. <laughs> as a side note, if Instagram is your sort of thing, you can follow along. I'm on Instagram most days, at Shannon Wright, so you can find me there. So I started taking these pictures. And, and keep in mind, this is the same two blocks, back and forth, back and forth, every day. And because you are my neighbor, you understand that the months of February and March will test a sister on finding something beautiful in the neighborhood. I mean, not only was I walking the same stretch every day, I was walking that stretch day after day after day when everything was brown and soggy, the light wasn't even pretty, nothing was blooming. Could I find it beautiful? And I did. Every single day I found something beautiful. And I don't know that anybody else found it beautiful, and it wasn't really the point. But as I started to find my place more beautiful, I started to find my neighbors more beautiful. And as I found my neighbors more beautiful, I started to love them more. And this is the very best part. As I started to love the people around me more, I started to understand what it meant to be loved by them more. And I'm more and more convinced that this is part of the heartbeat of this message woven throughout scripture. Love God with all your heart and soul and your mind and love your neighbor. The heartbeat of loving our neighbor is learning to be loved by our neighbor. It has to go both ways. I landed on the verse somewhere in the midst of this journey and, and we read it earlier this morning in our time together. It's become one of my absolute favorite verses, Psalm 27, verse 13. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. This was a verse I had not been familiar with up to that time. And so it sort of leapt off the page. I don't remember how I found it. It leapt out at me and it attached itself to my soul in some ways. No matter where we are, no matter how bleak things look, no matter the mess that we're in, this is the land of the living. This is the land of the living. Wherever we are right now today, we're, we're here for a purpose. And until we're told to go, and at, at some point we probably will be, until that day that we're told to go, we get to stay. We get to commit. We get to make it our mission to find this place beautiful every single day. And when we find that beauty, to hold on to it and to claim it as God's goodness. This is the land of the living. And we are sure that we will see God's goodness here. There's another section of scripture that I, that I have clung to over the past few years. You know, like, I don't know how many years has it been, two or three years, things got pretty weird and devastating in the world. 
Um, during that time, I landed in the, the prophets. And as an Enneagram 8, I found kind of my kinship there. I wasn't super familiar with, with these Old Testament prophets. They're pretty crazy. They say a lot of, um, they have a lot of outrage that I really, you know, I, I feel it, I know it, I like it. There's a, there's a verse in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, and it's a verse I've heard my entire life. And I've, and I've heard it misused and abused my entire life, and I have used it and abused it my entire life. And it says something to the effect, it's kind of one of those um, MVPs of the Bible. And it says, um, I'm, I'm not going to try to, I better just find it. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 29, I wasn't planning to share this part, so I, just bear with me here. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to fail you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This was a verse I had, I had kind of carried around with me my whole life, like, whatever I want, God's here for this. He's going to help me with whatever it is that I want. All good things, right? What I didn't realize my entire life up to that point was that there are, there's a section of scripture right above that that is so much more compelling to me and so much more significant to me. And I'm just going to read one of those verses. There's a whole section there that I really love. But chapter, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7 says this. And this is kind of what I've come to see as a roadmap. What does it look like to live as a neighbor? What does it look like to be present in the place where we are? This is what it says. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. A couple of things that I love about this verse. Number one, this verse says, work for it and pray in that order. In the, in the faith tradition that I'm from, and probably many of you have experienced this as well, Christians can, can really willfully get stuck on the prayer part. The thoughts and prayers sentiment that carries no um, physical heft and weight. This is reorienting that and saying work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you and pray for it. We get to do both. We've got to do both. We've got to work for it. We've got to get sweaty for it as we're praying. The second thing that I love is the line, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. What this means is that our, if our neighbors are not free, then we are not free either. And if our neighbors are not safe, then we are not safe either. If there are people around us in trouble or in pain, then we're in trouble and we should be feeling that pain. This is what it means to live as a neighbor. But we cannot do the work. And we cannot really even pray well if we're not seeing and actively choosing our place and the people around us. Choosing them every day. As if it really matters because it really does. The work is to be where we are. For the long haul. As long as that is to take up the cause of the people around us, 
with my husband's work as the chaplain of the jail and with the neighborhood that I happen to live in, um, which it's a lower income neighborhood, there are a lot of people coming in and out of our neighborhood and in and out of our lives who've been impacted by incarceration. My oldest son, Robert, who I mentioned came into our life when he was 19 years old. He is still trying to extricate himself from incarceration many, many, many years later. What we see with, with these folks sitting around our table and being an active part of our life is that when you sit close to people whose lives are on fire, you should feel the contact burns. You should feel that heat. We tend to think of, of, of our life as, as being, you know, we, we sometimes want to think of it as being rosy and joyful and optimistic and good. But there's this other side of the coin where we get to celebrate with people. We get to live those beautiful moments in life, but we also get to suffer together, and it matters. Sitting with people in pain, working, sweating for the behalf of our neighbor, for the well-being and welfare of our neighbor, that matters. We can't do any of it until we're really seeing our place and seeing our people. I'm going to close with just two short little um, paragraphs from my book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, about these morning walks that I started taking. Out in the land of the living, clouds unfurl spectacularly. The sun is moody. The air and the stuff it carries wear differently against our faces. There are frosted violets dipped in the last traces of March's snow. One week later, the forsythia shows up like a favorite long-lost cousin. Creation enjoys a cellular inability to run from God's glory. In slipping this one corner beneath the microscope, God points a beam of light onto who he has always been. In teaching me to invest deeply in this pothole street, he is pulling me to his chest. Eugene Peterson wrote, all theology is rooted in geography. Just a few years ago, I would have missed the meaning. Now it's among the surest things I know. God is calling us to the world we're in. Sorry, God is calling to us from the world we're in. He wants to meet us right here. We were not made for the curated image of success and comfort, but for the grit and glory of heartbroken humans on trash day. I'm gonna close with a really short prayer. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that though the world is complicated and it breaks our hearts every day, you are here with us and you are good. Thank you that you have given us bodies to perceive this physical world. Thank you that you, um, through your son Jesus, have shown us the way. You've shown us what it means to pay attention. Help us to live today awake and available to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. In response, I invite you to turn into the blue hymnal to 369. And I would invite you to stand if you are able.
While we are singing this hymn, I would invite you to reflect on the words that very nicely correlate to the message that we heard today. We want to thank our speaker one more time. Um, we talked a lot about change and um, about God's plan. And so we're going to sing One Thing Remains. And maybe not all of you know, but um, God's love never fails. So even if it's not for me, maybe for the others around you who, who know God never fails, if you can show energy and, and smile um, so that we can really just enjoy this time. So we're going to sing this song. Could I actually even have a little bit more? Holly, praise the Lord. See, one, two, two. Higher than the mountains. Higher than the mountains that I face. And it's stronger than the power of the grave. Constant in the trial and the change. One thing remains. One thing remains. Your love, your love never fails and never gives up. 
it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love, your love, and on and on and on and on it goes, and it overwhelms and satisfies my soul, and I never ever have to be afraid, this one thing remains, this one thing remains, your love never fails and never gives up, it never runs out on me, your love never fails and never gives up, it never runs out on me. Oh, your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love, your love. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My death is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Let's do that again. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. And my death is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love. Amen. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. And your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love. Your love. Your love. Amen. Okay. Receive these words as you go. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you go through your life serving and loving those around you. Go in peace. <laughs>